the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. What's going on, everybody? Another edition of the Alcatulo Craft Beer Cast is on right here on AM 970. The answer, a little Joe Bonamassa for you. Playing Joe uh, pretty much the whole show. And why? Because and Kenny Wayne Shepard. And uh, I didn't get a chance to play any Jason Bonham. But I will tell you this. Got to see them over the weekend. Kenny Wayne, Joe Bonamassa, Jason Bonham. Fantastic show at Jones Beach. Go check out Joe Bonamassa. You will not be disappointed. He puts on... A phenomenal show. Speaking of which, we do have a phenomenal show tonight. Let me tell you something. I, I rarely um, toot my own horn bragging about guests and things of that nature, but Mike Geller from 3-3's Brewing down in Hamilton, New Jersey, is going to join me in about 10 minutes. Great discussion. Two segments that we did, talking all about the whole thing with the NJABC. Um, Mike had some really good things to say, both sides, being critical and also being constructive of what uh, things that, you know, um, that the New Jersey brewers can do to help further the narrative here. Uh, the governor has been silent for well over a month now. Um, these regulations are being put into effect, and I'm hearing, yeah, they're not going to be heavy-handed in enforcement, but still, they're in effect, and that's not cool. Um, these regulations are directly affecting these small businesses. They're regulating entertainment. They're not regulating alcohol. I think it's wrong. Mike thinks it's wrong. I, I haven't heard of a single brewer that has spoken out, that has said, oh, yeah, this is great. Just keep it the way it is. Everybody's been vocal about it. Write your legislators. Write the governor. Write these people. Yes, they're gonna, they have bills introduced. Hopefully something gets passed in September. It goes on the governor's desk. But the bottom line is, is that these rules need to stop, and the governor can stop them right now. Right now. Hasn't done it. Governor, I've challenged you. Come meet me for a beer. Let's have a frank discussion about the rules that are going on in the state and how you can stop them and help these small businesses. Don't you want tax revenue to continue to flow in? I would think that you do to pay for all the things that you want to do. So this is a chance to be a bit of a hero again. You asked the brewers last year to give away a free beer for everybody getting a shot, a vaccinated shot. They had to get special dispensation from the ABC. It wasn't even legal. You didn't even know that. Come on. Really? Help these guys out. It's wrong. So Mike Geller from 3-3's Brewing is going to join me in about 10 minutes. You will enjoy the conversation in two parts. Speaking of New Jersey breweries, Icarus Brewing, Iktoberfest, or Iktoberfest, is coming. It's September 17th, coming to Lakewood, New Jersey. 
Uh, they're going to be pouring their traditional German Marzen, Mr. Oktoberfest. They're going to be selling limited edition Oktoberfest Steins. They're going to spin some Oktoberfest-influenced tunes. Uh, check out their social media pages for more information. I'm going to be dry that month of September, so I'm not going to be able to take part. But if it was anything like Lagerfest, it is going to be a fantastic time. Jason and his boys do a great job down there, and I cannot wait for their brick location to open, hopefully sometime next year. And... Bolero Snort, Oktoberfest. It's already out. It's in the tap room. It's out on shelves. You can get it. But on September 24th, Bolero is going to help the borough of Karlstadt turn the village green into a beer garden. So that's really cool. So the Oktoberfest is made with uh, their friends over at C3 Brewing. But this is really cool. So they're going to turn the borough of Karlstadt, they're going to turn the village green into a beer garden on September 24th. And as I said, Oktoberfest is in stores right now, and it's at Bolero's Tasting Room. Go check it out now. If you like me, I like ice cream, okay? Um, ice cream is awesome. Some people don't like it, but most people do. But now, Miller High Life and Tipsy Scoop are combining together beer and ice cream. And you can get it shipped directly to your house. How cool is this? So as of this past Monday, Miller High Life announced a partnership with Tipsy Scoop to create the Ice Cream Dive Bar. Not just to celebrate dive bars, but also the 100th anniversary of the ice cream bar as well. Now, these are ice cream packs that pack in 5% uh, ABV, so it's, you definitely have to be 21 and older uh, to, uh, to eat this. It's a delicious peanut swirl to bring in the saltiness of the iconic dive bar snack, a hint of tobacco smoke flavor to represent the scent of the dive bar, which is really cool, a gooey caramel swirl for the sticky dive bar uh, floor feeling, and then a fun sprinkle of carbonated candy because High Life is the champagne of beers, of course. It's all dipped in dark chocolate in an homage to the dark wood and dim lights of the dive bar. It's available for purchase now. Just go to tipsyscoop.com, goldbelly.com, and in Tipsy Scoop's three New York City barler locations. The treats are available to all 50 states via overnight shipping. You have to make sure somebody 21 or older is there to sign for it. Um, it is available as a six-pack for 36 bucks. Single bars can be purchased at Tipsy Scoop Barlers. For $6 each. Really cool. Tipsy Scoop is a great place. If, you, if you're if you into ice cream and booze, you should definitely check them out. I think there's two locations in Brooklyn. There's one in Manhattan, I believe. And what's cool, we, my wife and I checked them out in February um, when they had their, um, when the, the New York City Brewers Guild had their kickoff to New York City Beer Week. And we went over there after the beer fest. It was about 10 minutes away. We had the best time. They custom make the treats in a glass that you get to keep and take home, and then you can put beer in it. It's awesome. It's a fun time. I'm looking forward to this. I'm going to actually purchase a six-pack of these bars. Why not? It sounds cool. And speaking of the New York City Brewers Guild, their Blocktober Blocktoberfest tickets are on sale. This is Saturday, October 1st, Brooklyn Navy Yard beyond, uh, behind Building 77. It's all New York City beer in one place. They're going to have food vendors and entertainment, tons of New York City beer. It's going to be a lot of fun. Early bird tickets are running $45 right now. They're almost sold out. So if you want to get in, you better get your tickets fast. General admission tickets after that are $55. They have a VIP ticket for $85. And then if you purchase tickets the week of uh, for general admission, it's $65. There's a designated driver ticket uh, for $15. You can take the NYC ferry right to the fest from Manhattan, drop you off. It's a couple-minute walk, and you're at, the, uh, you're at the building. It's great. Go to Instagram, NYC Brewers on Instagram. Click the link in their bio to purchase tickets. It's always a fun time. They put on, Ann and the, and, the, and the folks at the New York City Brewers Guild, put on a fantastic event. It's a lot of fun. You definitely want to be a part of it. And then finally, 
Anderson Valley Brewing Company, uh, the pioneering North Ca- Northern California craft brewery known for making standout ales, announced its first nationwide release of a lager modestly dubbed the Pilsner. Uh, the Pilsner is already available nationwide in draft in 6- and 12-pack cans, uh, shipping out of Anderson Valley, of course, in this month. Additional batches relie- released as a draft-only offering, but the Pilsner became so popular that AVBC made the decision to release the beer in cans, made it available nationwide. So it's a classic German Pilsner. Uh, it's a beer style that um, Anderson Valley had yet to fully explore. Uh, the pilot batch was originally available only on draft in the judging at the Great American Beer Festival. Check that out. Now, it's a 5.2% ABV. Uh, it's 60 days of lagering. It's a long time into each batch. Pilsner is soft, crisp, clean, delicious, extremely drinkable, flavorful, and complex. As I said, it's sold in six packs and 12 packs, 12-ounce cans, available in package and on draft nationally through select retailers. That's pretty awesome. Listen, Pilsner's lagers are making a comeback, and I love it um, because I think that's a, it's a classic beer. Everybody thinks of a Budweiser. Um, and that's sort of the homage, but these are elevated beers. When you drink a Pilsner from a craft brewery, it's elevated. It's made with with love and care. Oh, I could wax poetic about it all day long. But um, the bottom line, those beers are fantastic. And before we take a break, I just want to get back to uh, the discussion that I had with Mike Geller uh, that you're going to get to hear in, in just a couple of minutes. Um, Mike had some great things to say. And again, like I said, he was critical um, you know, of certain things, but also, you know, giving, you know, some types of solutions of how, you know, towns can work out. And listen, if you're part of a restaurant lobby in New Jersey and you're listening right now, um, listen, if you're a big box chain, I get it. You need to serve the big, the, the, the you know, the big box beers because that's what, uh, you know, they, listen, I know they paid for your draft system. That's why you got to put it there. But, you know, the little guy helps, you know, Applebee's talks about, uh, you know, uh, eating good in the neighborhood or whatever their, whatever their slogan is. But if the neighborhood only has beers that are available nationwide, what's my reason for coming? Because let's face it, the food at Applebee's is not that good. The food at Chili's is not that good. It's chain food stuff. Salty, uh, it's pre-processed, uh, some of it. Maybe some of it's fresh, but most of it is, you know, come on. Let's face it. What's the compelling reason to get me in there? A blue moon with a slice of orange is not getting me in the bar anymore at an Applebee's. I want to drink something that's good. And if you and if you got something that's good on there, maybe you're going to come back. Maybe you go there on a Sunday and watch the football game. Who knows? You know what I'm saying? And for those restaurant owners that think that breweries are competition, you're out of your mind. The breweries can only do one thing, sell beer. They're not asking to sell food. They're not asking to compete with you. They're not asking to do those things. All they want to do is serve beer, be able to provide a little bit of entertainment and an escape for people that maybe don't want to go to Chili's and Applebee's and some of these other places. That's it. That's all it is. And you would serve yourself well to work with these people instead of instead of trying to feel like you're competing with them. It, it, it's ridiculous. It's not a competition. You could both make a piece of the pie and be happy. And a lot of restaurants do in, in towns in Jersey. But there are this vocal minority, or majority, actually, that have the money to spend on the lobbyists in Trenton. It's not cool. But when we come back after a short break, for the next two segments, Mike Geller from Three Threes Brewing down in Hamilton, New Jersey, will join me. This is the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer.
Now that's the guitar playing of Kenny Wayne Shepherd, who I got a chance to see again, and it's been oh my god, I'm dating myself here. About 22 years was the last time I saw Kenny Wayne Shepherd. That was at Jones Beach this past Friday night. Got a chance to see him, uh, Jason Bonham, and Joe Bonamassa, and it was just an unbelievable show. Welcome back to the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970. The answer you can follow me on Twitter at Algatulo, Instagram at Gatulo, G A T T U L L O, Facebook.com. Slash AG Craft Beer Cast. Of course, we're on iTunes, Google Podcasts, uh, Odyssey, Alexa. All you got to do is do AG Craft Beer Cast. We're on iHeartRadio as well. And you can download and listen to the shows at your leisure. We're also on the Hopped Up Network. Head over there, hoppedupnetwork.com. Uh, you know, and uh, you can check out the podcast version of the show um, You know, at any time you want. You can download it and listen to it at your leisure. Now, my next guest... One of the founders of a brewery in a nice little area of New Jersey, not far from the Atlantic City Expressway, in Hamilton, New Jersey. He's been outspoken, like many breweries around the Garden State, on these new old rules by the NJABC that have been enforced since July 1. For more info on that brewery, just head over to their website, 3, and then the number 3, uh, with an S, brewing.com. That's 3threesbrewing.com. Let me welcome back to the Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer, Mike Keller. Mike, how are you? Doing well, Al. Thanks so much for having me on. You got it. Hey, listen, it was great to catch up with you um, at the uh, Manahopkin a couple of weeks ago. I had a great conversation with you. It was a hot day, but boy, I'll tell you, it was a lot of hot conversation bouncing around um, with uh, with all of the NJABC rules and stuff, and every single brewer has an opinion. And for the most part, most brewers are in agreement uh, that the restrictions that are being placed upon the breweries are just are, are awful. Now, let's start off with a week ago, uh, Tuesday. You had a number of representatives come into the brewery to chat. What spe- uh, specifically did you guys talk about? So we had a, a really good conversation with Assemblyman Umba and his uh, chief of staff. So um, we had our good friends at, at Chimney uh, Rustic Ales in town here, Brotherton Brewing, Berlin Brewing, um, and uh, the newly opened Wims Brewing all here. Um, and we got, to, we got to talk to Assemblyman Umba um, who's a huge advocate for craft beer, just sort of about the fact that they keep moving the goalposts, and it's really hard to operate a small business um, when they, they keep changing the rules that you have to operate by. Right. Um, so specifically, you know, we're talking about the tours, we're talking about the restrictions on events, um, we're talking about the, you know, the fact we can't throw some fruit, fresh fruit into a seltzer, we're talking about, um, you know, off-premise, uh, events, on-premise events, and, you know, the whole host of things that kind of touch all those different things, you know, our inability to, to work with local businesses, including food trucks, you know, woodworkers, um, artisans, and, and things like that to display their work, um, and just sort of have that stunting our growth, and we think that there's some, you know, some borderline, you know, over-regulation, where the ABC has overstepped in a sort of, you know, regulating industries that they don't really have purview over, you know, they have no say over food trucks. Um, in particular, right. I mean, they're they're basically they're. Re- I mean, I know Chuck Chuck Garrity from uh, uh, Death of the Foxborough said it. They're regulating entertainment, not necessarily alcohol, which is the job of the NJABC is to regulate alcohol and 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 anything else. I I, I agree with you. I think is beyond their purview. Now, Mike, as of this taping, the governor uh, Phil Murphy has been silent. He's not said a word 
uh, since any of this that has come out, the, when the the the, uh, the rules were basically, I mean, the rules were in effect, but they weren't being enforced. But then they were put into effect as of July one. The governor jetted off to Italy, went on vacation, came back, then was back out again in Israel. Has not said a word at all. He's been silent. It's my opinion that he, the governor, is waiting for the legislature to pass bills in September that will eliminate some of these rules. Do you believe that to be the case, or do you think? The governor doesn't care about a small business segment that contributes over a billion dollars in tax revenue annually. You know, I, I think somewhere in the middle there, Al, I think, you know, it's possible he is behind closed doors working with the legislature. Um, and it's possible, you know, by saying nothing, you know, he certainly gives off the impression that he doesn't care, not to say that's the case. Right. Um, you know, what we would ask is simply suspend the rules. If you are waiting for the legislator, excuse me, legislature to move, mm-hmm. Um, there's no reason we can't suspend the rules. And that's what he did previously when, you know, there was a lot of pushback on the rules. He said, hold on, we're going to put this on pause. It doesn't make sense right now. Um, so, you know, the legislature, legislature did not act then. Um, I'm hopeful they'll act now. But in the interim, you know, this is, this is devastating to, to businesses. You know, we, we have some, you know, conversations between breweries. And, you know, after coming through COVID and all the inflation that's going on, you know, our businesses are taking a hit in the tap room. Um, we're not able to offer, you know, entertainment and, and to sort of, you know, draw people in. You know, we're competing mm-hmm. against the weather. We're competing against a number of other things, you know, for people's hard-earned dollars, which just don't simply go as far as they used to. Um, so, you know, I think, you know, waiting for the legislature, well, I think that's the, the long-term answer. We need to fix this. Um, it doesn't mean it's not hurting businesses or going to push businesses to move out of state, as we've already seen. Right. I mean, and there is a short-term solution. Like you said, the governor has the ability to stop it or at least suspend it right now until the legislature can kind of get their act together here. We're talking with Mike Geller of 3-3's Brewing down in Hamilton, New Jersey. They're open Thursday through Sunday. For more info, just head over to their website, 3-3's Brewing. Uh, com. We're here on the Alcatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. And you just mentioned it, Mike. The good news, so many legislatures are stepping up in the state, including congressmen from around the state on both sides that are saying that this is, you know, affecting small business or a segment of the small business uh, population in New Jersey. Uh, they, but the, the good news is that so many legislatures are stepping up to try and make changes. But why do you think it has taken so long for them to finally get their act together here to say, oh, wow, this is affecting us. We need to do this now. When they could have done it uh, a number of years ago, they could have done it two years ago, they could have done it five years ago. Why do you think it's taken them so long? I mean, part of it's just being reactive rather than proactive. You know, anybody that looks at what the surrounding states are doing, you know, and I think um, New York and, and Pennsylvania specifically do a really good job of, you know, supporting the craft beer industry and seeing how they can impact the community and other small businesses. Um you know, any any smart person can see that. So why we didn't act to, to you know, have parity with those places, right. you know, whether it be being able to have events, whether it's coordinating with a food truck, whether it's being able to have satellite, you know, taproom locations around the state, mm-hmm. whether it's being able to serve up their New Jersey-made products to support, support, you know, local wineries and distilleries and have them support us. Right. Um, you know, I, I just don't understand other than, you know, lobbyists from certain organizations that think that that's a threat to them. Yeah, I, I don't understand it, and it's certainly not a threat to them. I've seen plenty of breweries work with within towns that have you know eateries and stuff, and they work in conjunction and hand in hand, and it benefits both sides. Both sides make money, and and isn't and, that and we certainly see that right? Yeah, and isn't that the goal? Small mom and pop places, right? I mean, but and but it is the goal. Everybody's trying to help one another instead of trying to stifle uh, a segment of you know of business. 
to try and prevent them from making money. Now, I noticed on your Facebook page that you had these get-out-of-jail-free cards uh, for those that don't <laughs> want to take a tour of the brewery, which is one of the rules the NJABC is enforcing. The tour, of course, in my opinion, has become outdated. It's, it's kind of ridiculous. Yeah, I get it. Here's where you make your beer. The water goes here. The grains go here. This is what happens. I get that part of it. I'm assuming that's why you made those cards, Mike. Yeah, I mean, we think it's a little silly at this point. You know, a tour of here's a shiny tank that holds something and here's another shiny tank that holds something different right. is exactly the same at every single brewery. So a patron or a customer going between three different breweries is going to hear the same spiel about, you know, this is how we crush grains and we crush grains before we mash them. Right. You know, the, the same level, we're all going through the same process. So, you know, I don't understand the same, you know, I don't understand what they're hoping the different education piece, the differentiator between breweries is going to be. Right. And, um, you know, it's almost you know, like at the same point. Go ahead. Go ahead. Finish. Yeah. Well, at the same point, you know, it's a burden on staff. Um, you know, the the production people are, are highly trained people that, you know, study this craft. Um, whereas a lot of servers, they don't necessarily understand the finer details of making beer. Mm-hmm. They may be able to speak intelligently about how it tastes and how to pour it and different styles. Um, but it, it's certainly, you know, front of house, back of house is sort of how I look at it. It would be equivalent to your, your server explaining the, you know, their dry aging process for a steak in a steakhouse. You know, you just wouldn't expect that. Well, you know what I'd like to see, though, Mike? I'd like to see the restaurants have to give everybody a tour of the kitchen. Uh, to well, here's where your uh, veal piccata uh, <laughs> is going to be made, and this is how it's done in the process. I think some people might be like, oh, it's made like that? Maybe I don't want the veal. Maybe I'll go to hamburger. I mean, that would be equal yeah, footing, exactly. right? I mean, wouldn't you think? But Yeah. Go ahead. And I don't know what the consumer gains, you know, by learning how, you know, McDonald's makes a cheeseburger. Does that make us a better society in any place? I just don't know that that's the case. Well, the other thing with um, McDonald's is they can't they can't show you how the ice cream machine works because it's usually broken most of the time. So, Well, yeah, that's, that's a whole other story. <laughs> but, you know, the parody we like is, is, you know, bars and restaurants aren't permitted by statute to have any of entertainment. They're not permitted to have a, a live DJ or a live musician or trivia or a pet adoption event. There's nowhere in the statute that I can find mm-hmm. um, giving them those rights. So it, it almost appears, and I hate to even say this is the case, but it almost appears that rather than fighting for their own rights, they're almost pushing against what we can do. That's an, that's and saying, a, well, they're not, they're not allowed to do it, so that must mean we can since it doesn't say we can't. Right. And, um, I, and, and that's I, just a sad way to, you know, to move forward as a society, in my opinion. Well, I, I agree with you. It's an interesting point that you raised there, and who knows, maybe the NJABC is going to be uh, uh, coming after the restaurant lobby next, although then again, I, 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 I highly doubt it. We're talking with Mike Geller of Three Threes Brewing down in Hamilton, New Jersey. They're open Thursday through Sunday, and for more info, you can just head over to their website, threethreesbrewing.com. We're here on the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. Mike, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to dive into some more stuff, especially uh, some new beers that you're going to have coming out as we move into the fall months uh, and a great event that you guys did uh, this past weekend. We're going to talk a little bit about it. Obviously, we're taping this earlier in the week, so by the time the event rolls around, it will be over. That's why we want to get into that and some other stuff as well. So hang with me, Mike, for just a a couple of minutes here on the other side of the commercial break. We will talk to Mike Geller of Three Threes Brewing again on the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer.
And that is the guitar and vocals of one Mr. Joe Bonamassa. I've been a fan of his for a very long time and very happy that I got a chance to see this cat again play at Jones Beach uh, over the weekend. Boy, I'll tell you, that's a guy, if you haven't had a chance, if you like the blues and you haven't seen Joe Bonamassa, when he is in your town, you absolutely have to go and see him. Welcome back to the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970. The answer, we're talking with Mike Geller of Three Threes Brewing down in Hamilton, New Jersey, open Thursday through Sundays. Uh, for more info, just head over to their website, 3threesbrewing.com. Mike, let's chat about some things that are going on at the brewery here. Even though the event is over by the time this airs, tell me a little bit about the Hamilton uh, Brewmasters Beer Crawl. This is the second year that this has gone on. What's it all about? Yeah, so this is actually the second one. Um, we did one back in the spring for uh, St. Patrick's Day. And it was a lot of fun. Um, so, you know, we're really good friends with the breweries in town. You know, Jim over at Vinyl and Dan over at Chimney Rustic Hills. And um, we love bopping around town just as our own group, drinking beers at each other's breweries. And we're like, why can't we bring people with us? Um, so what we do is we, we organize this. Uh, we'll have about 100 to 140 people joining us. Um, groups will be starting each brewery. We'll, we'll uh, have a, you know, an hour to have a couple beers, chat beer, answer any questions, and then we'll move with them. We'll walk to the next brewery around town. So it's a great chance to make some new friends, talk about beer, geek out on that, talk about sports, whatever you guys want. Right. Um, and uh, it's been a lot of fun. The first, the first one was a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to... Uh, the second one here, we'll be doing another one for Oktoberfest. So details on that soon. That's very cool. So, And it was a luau-themed style of uh, of a beer crawl, so they were encouraging people wear Hawaiian shirts, you know, get a little loud, et cetera, et cetera. And I, I think it's great that you guys are all in sort of walking distance that you can do that. I know they do uh, similar types of tours in Brooklyn uh, and, a, and a number of different places around uh, New York City, where you can do that, where you can bounce from from bar to bar, a brewery to brewery, as it were, which I think is really cool, and that's great. And if you're going to do it, I, I love the fact that you're theming it. You know, St. Patrick's Day, you're kind of doing a summer theme one, and then a little Oktoberfest one. I think that's fantastic. Now, Mike, as we are approaching the end of the summer, um, what beers do you have coming up in the next few weeks that are going to be coming out? Uh, le- you know, let's say a la the early fall beers. So, you know, the, the one I'm most excited about is the one we just canned this past week is uh, called Third Whim. It's a cold IPA we did with our good friend Dorian over at Whim's Brewing. Um, sort of an ode to the end of summer, you know, just before dark beer really starts hitting. Mm-hmm. Um, and following that up, we'll have a brand new beer called Into the Abyss, a Czech-style dark lager um, that's tasting really good. It's going to be lagering for probably the next three to four weeks here. Um, and we'll probably have that out mid, mid-September or so. And, you know, I have to tell you, during the pandemic, has it been a nice change of pace to be able to go back and do some traditional beers that take a little bit longer to make because you had the time to make them? So it's definitely been a nice change of pace. You know, I'm hoping that the, um, and it looks like it's trending this way, that the, the pandemic has opened people's eyes to more than just hazy IPAs, you know, heavily fruited sours and adjuncted stouts. Right. Um, we're starting to see some breweries popping up doing some really cool things. You know, I think the seed in Atlantic City, mm-hmm. Human Robot over in Philadelphia, you know, are kind of pushing the envelope of, of really being, you know, traditional beer focused. Right. Uh, certainly sprinkling in some of the fun stuff, but I think consumers are finally starting to see, you know, what us brewers like to drink and why they're refreshing beers you can kind of drink all day. Right. I, that's, I love it. I, I love the fact that a lot of guys did that. They went into their lagering tanks and said, look, we're going to put something on for eight weeks and, and just let it go because we have the time to do it, which is great. Now, let's assume for a moment that September rolls around, Mike. The legislators come up with a bill 
that removes a majority of the restrictions that most are happy with. I mean, I, I think you and I would both agree not every single restriction is going to get taken off the table, but maybe they, they put a, law to, a bill together that removes the majority of them that most are happy with. The governor signs it. It becomes law. The next step has to be reforming the liquor licenses in the state of New Jersey. You agree or disagree? Yeah, I mean, if we can solve all the other problems, that's the, the next uh, at-bat, I think, for us. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it, it has to be the next logical step here, and I know it, it, it's going to take longer uh, to do, but I, I think that if, if there is at least the, uh, at least if there's a conversation about it, um, at, at reforming it, and again, I, I know that uh, for a lot of the uh, restaurant owners or the bar owners that are saying, you know, well, I paid X amount of dollars for my liquor license, how am I going to be compensated? I think the, the state is going to have to come up with a creative way to take care of that. Because I think the, the misconception that a lot of people have is that you as a brewery pay an identical amount of money than what the restaurant uh, owner, the bar owner pays for their liquor license. That not, that's not necessarily true. Their liquor license is transferable in a way. It's a commodity. They can sell it. You guys as a brewery, if you go out of business, you can't sell that brewery license to somebody else. So for you, it's devalued as time goes on, and you have to re-up your license every year, correct? Yeah, so I think there's a lot to unpack there, Al. I think the, the biggest thing is both you know, uh, liquor licenses and brewery licenses pay a yearly fee. You know, there's also a huge disconnect between the value associated with, you know, the, the amount that liquor licenses exchange hands for, you know, in the hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars, uh, and the amount municipalities see. Mm. And um, one of the issues we've been discussing with the congressman is that it looks from our side like the government's protecting private interest investment. You know, if you buy a house and the value goes down, you know, they don't cut you a check. Right. And uh, some of these rules seem like they're, they're kind of, you know, bordering on doing that. Are we really protecting a private investment as the government? Um, how we fix that is obviously not a simple solution, but um, one, you know, there, there's another thing at play. I've, I've heard there's a movement by, you know, the, the non-liquor license holders in the Restaurant Association to create a new type of license, which allows them to, to serve only Jersey-made products. So they can only, you know, serve beer made in New Jersey, craft beer made in New Jersey, craft, you know, wine made in New Jersey, spirits, and, and so on, you know, meat and cider as well. Um, so, you know, I think maybe that's an interesting step. And, and then ultimately, I think removing the population cap that, that limits the number of liquor licenses and leaving it to the municipality. Um, you know, if they want to allow more, you know, it behooves them. Um, and I, I think that would, uh, that would put us, you know, more on par. Because what the, the, you know, the restaurant owners understand is we may have a half a million or $2 million worth of equipment, you know, that they're not having to spend money on. So right. I think at the end of the day, you know, we're all spending a lot of money maybe just on different line items. But it's not cheap to open a restaurant. It's not cheap to open a brewery. Nope. So that's just, you know, at the end of the day, we're kind of level playing ground there. That's, that's true. And I do like the idea of having the, the, the restaurants that are BYOB having a limited license where they'd only be able to serve Jersey products, which I think is a great idea because, let's face it, that would pr- obviously promote New Jersey beer and, uh, you know, mead and wine and spirits, and that's that's a good thing. Again, a win-win for, for both businesses. Last question from me, Mike. In some towns in New Jersey, a lot of the breweries, as I mentioned earlier in the interview, uh, work with restaurants in town that have liquor licenses to get their beer on tap. Uh, it's a win-win mm-hmm. for both businesses. Have you or Agreed. others had pushback from restaurants saying that you're competing with them. And I, I don't need I, I don't want you to name names, but if you had somebody come up to you that owns a restaurant and say, You're competing with my business, I'm not gonna have your beer in my place. Yes, sir. 
Really? And is yeah. it one they're, business, they're, multiple businesses? Are they kind of ganging up, you know, to you guys? Um, you, you know, and we're fortunate in Hamilton. There's, there's a couple of really nice places that do carry beer from one or all of the breweries in town. Mm-hmm. But um, there, there's certainly a few that don't um, or that, you know, do it with that, you know, crux of we're going to do it, but you guys are really competing against us. And uh, it's frustrating because, you know, we can't serve food. We can't coordinate with a food truck. Right. My goal should be to send people there afterwards. Right. Um, you know, and it's hard to do that. And, you know, regardless of how good their food is, you know, I'm sending people where we, I know they can get a good craft beer, mm-hmm. regardless of whether it's mine, somebody else from town or one of the other great breweries in the state. Um, you know, that's what our customers are looking for. They're not looking to go into a bar that, you know, has Miller and Coors and that's it. Right. So, um, you know, maybe in that sense, now they're creating that competition where we could be a partner. Right. And, and again, uh, uh, you know, at the end of the day, you're all trying to make a piece of the pie. And I, I don't want to say it's, a, it's right. the same piece of the pie because it's not. You serve liquid. They're serving food and liquid. It's completely different. It's not the same thing. And it's what... and I think the experience is different. You know, totally. you know, some of the arguments I've had is, you know, well, if the brewery wasn't there, people would be here. And I look at a place like Applebee's or Friday's or some of these bigger chain places and say, you don't offer the same experience I do. You know, it's very different walking into a, a, a chain restaurant like that versus walking into a, a, an individual brewery. You know, there's so much just different vibe um, that I, I don't think it's a comparable experience. No, and you're not handing people, uh, you know, a little crayon sheet with uh, crayons to color uh, on the menu. I mean, it's just, it's just doesn't, it doesn't happen that way. It is totally it is totally different. So I, I completely agree with you. My guest has been Mike Geller of 3-3's Brewing down in Hamilton, New Jersey. They're open Thursday through Sunday. For more info, just go to their website, 3-3'sBrewing.com. Mike, thanks so much for joining me for these two segments. I really appreciate it. I look forward to speaking with you soon, and I look forward to getting down to 3-3's at some point and having a beer with you, my friend. Thanks again, Al. Really appreciate it. You got it. Up next, it's time for Suds and Duds on the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970 The Answer. Final segment of the Alcatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970. The answer, a little Joe Bonamassa from way back in the day. My God, this has got to, that's got to be early 90s, I think that album is. Not, not early, maybe mid-90s, mid, mid to late 90s. I uh, had a great time seeing him, Kenny Wayne Shepard, and um, Jason Bonham over the weekend, this past Friday, over at Jones Beach. Um, been a couple of years since I've been there. Uh, it is... An absolutely fantastic venue to go see a concert on Long Island. Uh, you know, them that and PNC are the two real summer places to see a show, right? But hands down, Jones Beach is the better venue. The weather is usually better. There's usually a breeze coming off the water. Uh, that's, the, that's a good part of it. But the acoustics are phenomenal at Jones Beach. I don't care who you're seeing at the venue, but it is absolutely worth it to go see it at Jones Beach. The problem with PNC... There's too much concrete. The noise gets muffled. 
Um, you're better off on the lawn to see a lot of these shows. And a lot of times now, I don't even bother. If I go to the lawn, I don't even bother sitting down. I walk around the whole time and listen. It's it, it's the same effect. I mean, it really is. But, you know, I digress. Anyway, let us dive into Suds and Duds. Bunch of different beers that we have to get in here, into here. First up is the Annie beer from Departed Souls. Um, this is in conjunction with a ramen place in New Jersey. Um, and uh, Brian was kind enough to give me a couple of cans of this to take home. And, boy, let me tell you something. Nice spice in it. The lemon shines in it. Very tasty. Just a really, really um, excellent beer on the Saison quality uh, of it. It is just, it's delicious. It's a great, it's one of those things where you get a perfect, like, like upper 70s, lower 80s kind of day with a little bit of a breeze. That's the perfect day to drink this beer. In fact, last Sunday, having uh, some ribs and some uh, some smoked meats, and this beer was perfect for it in the backyard at uh, my best friend's house because it was just it was just so nice and the uh, the weather was just perfect. Um, it's not a phase, mom. This is also from Departed Souls, uh, a recent uh, addition to the catalog. A very nice hazy IPA, hoppy, tasty, uh, not too heavy, around six and a half percent. Definitely one of those things where, of course, hazy IPAs are not a phase anymore. Uh, everybody's doing them, and uh, you know, listen. I get why people enjoy them. Um, is it the true representation of an IPA? No, of course not. It's an adjunct from what an IPA should be. An IPA should be bitter, should have that caramel-looking kind of sort of color to it, or even a little bit lighter than that, um, and have that bitter bite from the hops. And sometimes I want that. I want to go back to that because that's, what's, that's what I'm looking most forward to when I go to San Diego uh, in November. I'm looking forward to drinking a West Coast type of beer um because those are the uh, listen that's what gets you into the style right uh the hazy stuff was done because look i think a lot of brewers are trying to get other people to approach their beers and this was a way to do it because i know of a number of people who will drink a hazy fruity juicy ipa that has very low bitterness in it but will not drink anything stronger than that. i shouldn't say stronger than that but has more um of a bittering component to it and i get it this is you know this is how it is Moving along, Neon Nail, uh, the good folks from our mutual friend Brewing uh, sent me over some beers and very appreciative of that. Thanks, guys. Uh, This is a damn fine hazy, great hops, juicy, uh, hits all the right notes, Uh, just a delicious, delicious beer. And Colorado puts out some fantastic beers. And, yes, I'm putting it on the calendar for next year. I will be out in Colorado at some point. I'm hoping, my best friend and I were talking about this last week, we're going to try and pick a show at Red Rocks and go out, like, a couple of days around it. Like if it's a Friday night show, leave leave like Wednesday, come back Sunday, you know, kind of thing. Stay a couple of days and then, you know, do what we need to do. That is what I'm I'm looking forward to. So, um we'll see what happens. I think we're going to we're going to plan that for next year and uh and absolutely uh get it done. Green Flowers West Coast IPA by other half. Hoppy great bite, a banging West Coast. That's what I'm looking for. When I'm drinking a West Coast beer and got a chance to stop in at Other Half. Other Half did a collab with Troon uh, last week. Two different beers. One about an 8.5%. The other one 10%. And was able to order online, scoot over to Center Street, actually park illegally, run in, get my beers, and get back on uh, on my way home. I went through Brooklyn and Staten Island to get home uh, the Friday before last, which was fantastic. I would have loved to have stayed in the tap room and had a beer or two. It was a nice day, but I just... Listen, I wasn't in the mood to get a $100 ticket. That's, for me, it's a little too expensive. So, uh, But great job by other half. And again, 
a lot of other half beers I can get in New Jersey now, which is great that they're distroing in Jersey. Um, so I don't always feel compelled that I have to stop at the brewery. Yes, I know that there are beers at the brewery that you can't get anywhere else, and I get that. But they have a satellite facility at Rockefeller Center. There's one down in Philly, uh, which I'm planning on heading back down to a source in Fishtown at some point um, and maybe make a stop at other half around the corner because it's around the corner and it's worth doing. I have to do that. I'll do that on a Saturday in the fall. I think it's definitely worth um, I think it's definitely worth doing that. Anyway, moving along. Mostly dead by alternate ending. A solid double IPA. Slightly sweet, light. Uh, this it, It's a great beer. Alternate ending has been putting out some fantastic beers lately. And listen, folks, if you get a chance to stop over at them, uh, alternate ending over on um, Route 34 uh, in Aberdeen, I encourage you, get the slow pour Pilsner. Drink the Royal Rug. Trust me, it is a classic award-winning beer. It is a fantastic beer. But a lot of what they do, I think the only thing that I haven't really liked from them so far that I wasn't crazy about was the Schwing beer that they did uh, uh, for um, Wayne's World. I wasn't crazy about that. I don't know why. I don't know if it was something off in the hops. Something didn't taste right about it, and I wasn't, I wasn't super crazy about it. But almost 99% of what Alternate Ending does is fantastic. The food is great. The beer is good. They have mixed drinks there as well. Um, they show movies. Uh, it is a fun, it's a fun place uh, right in Aberdeen. And if you want to do it like you can do there and then head over to Source, you want to continue on down, you know, to hit Icarus and other places, you can do that. But trust me, make a stop one day. It is absolutely worth it. Zigmeister did a berry blonde, which they called a Kolsch. But I don't know if I would necessarily call this a Kolsch. It was super light, including the berry. I dug it, but it didn't remind me of a Kolsch. It just reminded me of a Blondale that had some berry in it. That's it. I, I don't know why. It just didn't remind me of a Kolsch. And if that's what it was, uh, you know, kudos to them. But it just, I didn't get the same, I didn't get the same feeling. I, I, I know what a Kolsch tastes like. This didn't taste like a Kolsch with some added uh, fruit to it. So there you go. Uh, Source, uh, when they, uh, by the way, happy birthday, Source. The beginning of August was their third anniversary. They did a great collab with Brick City. They came out with called Source Jams. Outstanding collab. Juicy, delicious, exactly what you want. Has that those distinct tastes that Brick City has and Source and kind of melded together. Perfect. Just a really, really excellent beer. It was tasty. It was delicious. And then, of course, their birthday beer, um, uh, they, they did a bunch. They did three can releases plus bottles. Um, birthday cake number three, strawberry, then chocolate on the back end. I didn't really get a lot of vanilla. It was there, but it wasn't. It didn't put it this way. You got that really big hit of strawberry, then that chocolate uh, flavor on the back end of it. But the vanilla, I don't want to say it was muted. It was kind of mixed in there. Um, You tasted it, but it was not as strong as the other two. Does that make sense? It's a strong beer, uh, a great pastry uh, type of um, type of beer. Um, but I, I, like I said, I didn't get a lot of the vanilla. I, I think I was expecting slightly more balance, but that's tough. When you're mixing in strawberry, chocolate, and vanilla into a beer, uh, that kind of Neapolitan uh, type of taste, it's very difficult to get every single one of them hitting on all marks. So the vanilla is definitely there. It's just not as present as the strawberry and the chocolate. That's my, my only criticism of this beer. That's it. It's a good beer. It's very strong. It's one of those you have one, and that's it, because that's a... Uh, That'll that'll knock you on your that'll knock you on your socks. They did a triple IPA, which I have yet to have, but I think I'm going to have it uh, at some point um, in the next week or two, and I will get back to you on a review on that. Triples are tough for me. It's one of those 
I got to really be in the mood, and it's got to be a, a night where I'm sitting home, and I know I'm not going anywhere. And that's usually the the capper at the end of the night. I don't start with one of those and work back. That's usually the ender uh, of the evening. So you know, sometimes that happens. But um, at, you know, like I said, source always putting out some great beers. I want to get down there with my dog Chase. I, I want to you know just sit in the back and just kind of chill and have a beer. But uh, you know, he's he's a little much. You got to keep an eye on him. So we'll see what happens. Listen. We're out of time, folks. My thanks to everybody involved in the show, as well as my guest, Mike Geller from 3-3's Brewing, and of course, last but not least, the great Buddy Watson. Now, I am not back Monday morning on the Joe Piscopo Show. I'm actually off for a couple of days. I will be back Wednesday on the Joe Piscopo Show, and uh, I will be back with a live show uh, next Sunday night. This has been the Alcatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. Cheers, everybody. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for donald trump to hire i find out the worst enemy that i'm going to face in my life is right here in america they took my assessment and they wanted me to change it i was like i'm not changing it they had to get rid of flynn with in-depth interviews archival footage and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines i just felt like i was drowning flynn deliver the truth whatever the cost available now watch it today go to salemnow.com salemnow.com